Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I am your host, Rick Wolf. Well, over the last few months, we've talked a lot about high school coaches being able to work in the summertime as paid instructors for travel or club teams. And for a whole bunch of reasons, this, this activity has been viewed with great trepidation. There are questions of ethics, questions of favoritism, questions regarding whether it's fair for coaches to get paid for their work with kids who play on their team during the school year. But it's a naughty issue. We know that. On one hand, we do want high school coaches, quite frankly, who are educators, who are licensed by their respective states, who are trained in CPR and first aid, have undergone, undergone background checks, and so on. So why wouldn't we want our high school coaches to work with our kids in the summertime? Now, let's face it. While many travel team coaches are terrifically talented, there's no mandate for them to be trained or educated or licensed or certified as high school coaches are. And as you know, there's no governmental oversight as to the credentials of travel team coaches or how much they are allowed to, to charge for their services. And yes, many parents gladly pay thousands of dollars for their youngster to play on a travel or club or showcase team. After all, travel teams offer the, the lure uh, to kids on their teams of being showcased to, to college coaches and to experience and play against better competition that perhaps they see in high school. But you should know there's been a gradual movement to change all of this, and if you're a sports parent or a coach, you need to know what's going on, especially in the state of Connecticut. Enter into this debate is my guest this morning. Craig Semple is the longtime athletic director at Daniel Hand High School in Madison, Connecticut. Uh, Craig is a former college football player. He's been a coach in numerous sports and has been involved in high school physical education for three decades. And during that time, he has seen it all, including the evolution of travel programs and high school sports and how, in effect, they're now competing with each other throughout the state of Connecticut. And, and what Craig has done recently, he's put together a proposal regarding high school coaches in Connecticut and how the state of Connecticut can make it possible for these coaches to work with their athletes in the summertime. And I think this is an idea definitely worth the discussion this morning because clearly this is happening all over the country. Uh, it's already happened, for example, in New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania. And again, I want to talk about the fact that these, you know, these current rules about high school coaches working with their athletes in the summertime, this is done on a state-by-state -state basis. Uh, and, of course, we'll take your calls at one 337 6666 Craig, good morning. Good morning, Rick. 
Uh, Craig, uh, first of all, why don't you give us a quick overview of what your proposal is all about for, for Connecticut high schools and, and why you decided to put this forth? Okay. Um, essentially, it's about giving co- high school coaches the opportunity to coach in the summer. I felt like Connecticut, you know, when I did our research, Connecticut ended up being the most restrictive state. And I really didn't understand why, because we have quality coaches that want to work with their athletes. We're taking kids at their highest level. And I always felt like in the developmental stage, kids are coming off their best seasons or at their highest level. Mm-hmm. There's always a lot of little things for coaches to work with, but they can't work with them until really until the next season. And it's just like a classroom, you know, okay, this is where we are and this is where we need to get. And I felt like, well, our coaches don't have that opportunity. We're, we're shipping them away to somebody that doesn't even know them. Mm-hmm. And they're getting a completely completely different set of uh, progressive skill sets. And, and I was like, wow, this, this really needs to be looked at. And I probably, when I've been in this business for a long time, but I didn't really realize it until my own little nine-year-old started playing travel ball and how... I was just blown away at the lack of knowledge that these coaches had. And then you start to realize as a professional, yeah, we do this every single day. We should be good at it. And I always felt like, you know, something needs to be done. And there's been a lot of talk and conversation. I said, well, I got to put pen to paper. I'm going to look at every single state in the country and see what everybody's doing. And I'm going to just come up with some defined points. And And that was the first one, just, I felt like we opened the floodgates for all the AAU and and the club organizations and the showcases to come in and really just kind of like take over our kids and be able to do whatever they wanted to do and kind of really sell them a little bit of a bill of bill of goods to college coaches and where, how good they were. And, and ultimately it's hurt us, um, you know, the high school coach and the programs. Well, you know, Craig, it's funny. Obviously. Let me just interrupt you for a second, because obviously there, there are a lot of issues you're touching upon here at that intersection of, of in Connecticut, the restrictions that are placed upon high school coaches. Uh, as you said, they they go through a continuity of working with their athletes and their players during the school year, but in the summertime, under current Connecticut rules, laws, they are not allowed to do this, whereas, and you did you did tremendous research here, you went through all 50 states, and uh, pretty much pinpointed that looks like Connecticut is right there in one of the leaders as to being the most restrictive. Other states, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, like like New Jersey, uh, you know, New York, Pennsylvania, they're not restrictive. They say, no, coaches can do that. High school coaches can work with their kids in the summertime so long as it's not mandatory. So what exactly? Is, That's the key. Yeah. So and again, this obviously has an impact on travel. Uh, and club teams, as you mentioned, with your own son playing, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, baseball. You know, it's, it's almost like this is like high school coaches are having the ability now to sort of take back some of the turf that has been in the last 10, 15, 20 years, the turf of, of uh, the travel and club programs. That I agree with that. And I also look at from a parent perspective, the parents – that have these younger kids. I'm an older father, so I look at the younger parents. That's all they know. This is the avenue that they have to pursue for their kids. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we, yeah, we paid the $5,000 for the kid to play travel ball. Uh, there's no guarantee he's going to play, but he's going to play against the best competition. 
not sure exactly how much development they're going to get, but they're going to play against the best, and that's how they're going to get recognized. And then when they come back to their high school, they can tell their coaches that they played against the best competition. Some, I mean, some of it works, but you know, those those guys that are doing that, they're doing it for profit. And yes. I'm not against people making money. Don't, and I have no problem with our high school coaches making money at camps and clinics and coaching our kids, but. Uh, the, the, the cost is, is prohibitive and it's really, um, a tough avenue for a lot of families. And I just felt like we have to level a playing field. I mean, obviously I've, I've coached and I've worked in urban districts and suburban districts. I remember working in the urban district. There's just no way my kids could have afforded that opportunity. And um, so if you read in our, our proposal says that we want to give our coaches the opportunity to coach. So if it's a basketball team, it doesn't have to be at the school. It can be at the community center. If it's at the hockey rink, we want our coaches to actually coach our kids in an actual game. Right. You know, so football, you're talking about maybe chalk talk a couple times a week, or maybe some skill progression, you know, maybe some pass skeleton. Baseball, let that baseball coach coaches his team. I, I just think that th- this state's governing organization is so far behind. And the interesting thing is they only want to look at the existing language in this state, the pros and cons of the existing language. Okay, you've had your chance for 60 years. It doesn't work. <laughs> Let us do it. And then you can tell us what doesn't work or how are we going to modify it. We're talking with Craig Semple. He's the uh, athletic director at Daniel Hand high school up in Madison, Connecticut, and he's, he's trying to introduce the proposal in Connecticut, which will allow high school coaches uh, throughout that state to work with their kids, their athletes, uh, during the summertime, and uh, which right now is not allowed, uh, unlike in so many or a lot of other states where it is allowed, for all the reasons that, that, that Craig has just outlined. For example, the, 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 uh, the, the concern about, about the cost. Now, I gather, uh, and of course, this, these practices will be would be uh, certainly optional, right, Greg? I mean, the, and of course, absolutely. The, and the cost would be nominal. I mean, you're not talking about a lot of, you're not talking about five thousand dollars here. No, not at all. I mean, you're talking about coaches being able to cover the cost or justify the time that they're giving their athletes. You know, just and you know, if you're running a camp or a clinic at your school, you you run it through your beach and rec. Your coaches are going to get paid for their time. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be this astronomical fee that parents you know, are going to have to like save money for it's, it's just like, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, we don't want to see our fields empty. And I certainly don't want to see our fields filled up with people that I don't know. Um, so I, I, I felt like there's another piece to it too. We have like, um, in football, for example, we have different start dates, and I've always felt like we should always have a universal start date. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because we have spring football, then we have traditional football. So if you elect not to take spring football, you can start a week earlier. If you take your spring football, which is all development, by the way, right. coaches are not really benefiting anything except working with their young kids in the spring to get they t- give them the attention that they need from a safety standpoint. But just... Let those coaches work with those young kids and develop that relationship. That's the most important piece in coaching, developing relationships with kids. Well, I, you know, and we're funny. losing that. I was going to say, Craig, there's also uh, this, this uh, potential side benefit about saying, okay, well, during the course of the season, tensions do tend to run a little high. And uh, in the off season, in the summertime, you can maybe coaches and kids 
Perhaps those kids in particular. Oh, that's a great point. You know, don't necessarily. Uh, you know, it's just more relaxed, and 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 the connection between the coaches and the kids can make a big, big difference to help eliminate uh, some of those frictions that occur during the the regular school year. So that is an excellent point, Rick. Um, time always is is a healer of of like emotional issues that you know coaches and kids have. It's only because you know in most cases coaches want the best for those kids. They want they want to push them to their highest level. And kids, you know, they're developing, so they're developing all domains of themselves. So those sometimes they don't understand, or the coach is not being fair to me, or right. coach doesn't like me, sure. or and then the parents are on board, and that's not the case. These guys are not doing that for that reason. Obviously, they're getting pay, paid cents on the dollar, so they're doing it because they love it. They're doing it because they know that they're going to make a difference in the kids' lives. Yeah, but what happens sometimes is, you know, you get charged up, and your relationship is fragmented and you need to go back and work on it. Well, you can't have any work. You can't have any contact with your coach in the summer. The most vital time is really a dead period. Craig, me, I just me, don't understand. Let me stop you there. Go We're ahead. talking, as I said, with Craig Semple from, uh, uh, from Connecticut about changing the, the laws that are currently in force there that says high school coaches are not allowed to work with their athletes in the summertime, unlike so many other states where this is beginning to happen more and more. Uh, let me take a pause. Uh, we got Dave Uram here this morning with a sports update. When I return after Dave's update, we'll go right to the calls at one 337 My guest this morning is Craig Semple. He's a longtime athletic director at Daniel Hand High School up in Madison, Connecticut. And he's discussing his proposal for high school coaches in that state to legally be able to coach their athletes in the summertime. Currently in Connecticut, that is not allowed. Uh, but in so many other states, as we we're just discussing, that this has changed and high school coaches are allowed uh, to, to work with their kids in the in the offseason, so to speak. And Clearly, this is going to have some real impact on travel teams and 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 uh, showcase teams and so on and so forth. And uh, Craig, as promised, let's get to our callers at one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Let us start this morning with uh, Jack Smithlin, uh, Hall of Fame coach over in New Jersey. Jack, good morning. How are you, Rick good and job. Greg? Uh, great proposal. I think it 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 definitely works. Um, I coached in uh, at Fairlawn um, High School for years, Park Ridge and Woodridge. And at the beginning of my coaching career in the 1970s, coaches were not allowed to play or work with their players during the summer. But you know what? The NJSIAA had a tough time monitoring it because a lot of coaches, you know, did work with their kids. They mm-hmm. did it in off-sites, away from their towns and things like that. So it was very difficult. Plus... You know, during the summer, the coaches that did follow the rules, their kids had what they used to call captain's practices, and they were mm-hmm. unsupervised. There was no medical people there to help in, 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 in times of injuries and things like that. But uh, then, the, then the state of New Jersey got smart, and they mm-hmm. allowed the coaches because now football could start early. You know, football's a tough sport to start in September when you play your first games in September. So... You know, they started doing it the right way. And, you know, and I've been a component of, I've been a strong believer in working with your kids. 
You know, there's so many different things that Rick has talked about on his shows. So, you know, I called up uh, Corey Robinson. He's the AD at Fairlawn, who actually was the AD at the end of my uh, reign there. And, um, you know, I asked him if the rules have changed, and he said, no, they have not. You can still work. Um, you're allowed to have two actual meetings with your teams once the school year starts, but during the school year, you're not allowed to have any physical contact with any of your players until your starting date. So mm-hmm. I came up with a solution, and Rick and I have discussed this before. You know, high school coaches that work with their kids in the summer, what they usually do is there's a, like in North Jersey here in Bergen, we have a North Bergen high school league during the summer and in the fall. And what mm-hmm. they do is they schedule games like scrimmages and they maybe have a practice or two during the week and they go and play their games mostly on the weekends. But once again, if you're going to, if you're going to attract coaches from colleges, scouting coach, scouts from the pros and things, you need to put a lot of teams in one area at one time because that's what makes it very easy for those college uh, recruiting coaches and scouts to go watch. They're not going to go watch one game with two teams playing. They're going to go to one of those facilities like, you know, up in Cooperstown or down in the Disneyland and, and even here in New Jersey at Diamond Nation where you can be watching 15, 20 teams at a time. So what these high school coaches should do is at the end of their summer season, get all those 10, 12, 15 teams together and do a weekend tournament. Invite all the coaches from colleges and the scouts in. Now the scouts can come in on one weekend, see 20, 25 different teams play. So, you know, there are solutions. And I think Rick's, you know, I'm a strong believer in what Rick believes in. These, that we're being saturated with, with club teams that are not mm-hmm. doing the right thing. It's all about the money, and you're absolutely right. So we have to do something. I think, I think Connecticut should jump on board. I really do, because it makes it easier even for your governing body in that state to monitor it. Now they don't have to yeah. go check. So it's a great, it's a great proposal. Jack, Great proposal. Thank Jack, you, Coach. Th- thank you so much, Jack, as always. And, Craig, uh, your, your response to what Jack Smithlin had to say. He, he, our, our thought process aligned almost perfectly. Safety is, not, is paramount. Yes, he's right. You know, they're already doing it in Connecticut, but they are doing it. They're flying under the radar. Mm-hmm. Let's just put all our cards on the table and say, hey, this is what we want to do. We want to organize it. We want to bring teams together. Let's give opportunities for kids to be seen by coaches. All of that is exactly, I think, if they allow us to do it, will all happen and um, gives the kids the opportunity to be able to be seen by coaches. But more importantly, like those captain's practices, he was right, are very dangerous. These these are these are being run by kids. Yes, we need our coaches to run these, not yeah. not kids. Yes, they're going to find a way. If you have a, if you come from a really good athletic program or a good team or you have a good returning team, those kids are going to get together, and they're going to do and they're going to tr- they're going to try to get better. But um, at what cost? Sometimes they can get hurt. I agree. You know, you're talking about some some of these sports. You know, are obviously uh, collision sports, and and you need prof- trained professional people to organize it. 
let me uh, let, stop. A lot of people want to get through here, Craig. Let's uh, let's move on to our next call. Let's go to Bob over in Glenrook. Glenrock. Uh, Bob, good morning. You're on the fan. Hi, Rick. How you doing? Thanks Goodbye. for taking my call. Yes, sir. Hey, listen. I I think there's a, another wrinkle to this that we're that you know maybe that when we have to dig a little deeper on. But you look at some of the, you know, I would say some of the private schools, whether New York, New Jersey, and you start to look at the bloated coaching staff, and then you say, why are there 15 coaches at a particular private school? And then you start to drill down a little bit more on those particular guys, and you say, oh, they, they want a club program. Oh, then the kids find out, oh, I need to go join that club program, pay the four or $5,000 and ensure me a spot on the team. But the bigger and I think absolutely more dangerous thing when you talk about these guys, in particular club coaches in private schools coaching in the summer is it gives those particular kids who maybe aren't that great, puts them on the team, but it gives them a license to mistreat other kids on the team because there's no ramification because they're paying that particular club coach X amount of dollars for lessons, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And in terms of safety, that to me is a safety issue. Now, maybe not so much in in the public schools, but certainly in some of the private schools, and then beyond that, you start to say, why do these guys have these jobs? Think about the facilities they own that some of these schools want to use in the offseason. Yeah, Bob, it's unfortunately, uh, it, it's quite, once you start going down that rabbit hole, it, it gets more and more complicated, and you start, you know, running into these various complicating situations. Uh, I, I think, and, and thanks for the call, Bob. I think one of the reasons why we're looking at Craig's proposal is because it adds real sun, sunlight and real clarity to what, what, could really take place in a very positive way. Again, it's already taken place in New Jersey and, and in New York. It only seemed, you know, the restrictions are that these practices in the summertime with the high school coach, uh, they, they can only be um, optional. They can't be mandatory. And, 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 Craig, let me ask you about that for a second. Um, can I just clarify one yeah, thing? Of course, of course. Um, so coaches in Connecticut are allowed to do strength and conditioning. They can do that all summer long. Okay. Yeah, so it's we're talking about skill progression. We're talking about um, creating an environment that's game-like. We're talking about duplicating what we would normally do during the regular season. So those are, that's the, that's the difference between what the current rule is and what the rule that we're proposing is. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, is as you went through your research here, I mean, you, you mentioned that that uh, like in New York State, for example, there are no coaching restrictions provided that right. the participation is not mandatory and it's open to all students. Uh, yep. You know, the same in Pennsylvania, pretty much the same in New Jersey. So strength and conditioning is one thing, but actual meeting with the coach maybe once a week for an hour mm-hmm. or two with the team. Again, uh, the only real complication I could see there is if a kid is playing, and this is unfortunately more and more rare these days, where a kid's playing two or three different sports during the school year. So you know, he or she might be saying, yeah, so, well, you know, i got to go to this practice on Monday, next one on Tuesday, next one on Wednesday, all different sports. Right. So, Rick, um, that, I thought about that and um, had lots of conversations with our coaches. Yep. At the end of the year, we always have an end-of-the-year wrap-up just to talk about our seasons, and we brought this subject up. And the coaches themselves were able to develop a schedule that would not conflict with each other. And it's because they're doing the one hour a week or, um, oh, when do you practice? And I'm going Tuesdays at 4 o'clock. Oh, mm-hmm. then I'll run my practice at the, in the a.m. on the opposite day. That, that way we can take care of our, 
um, multi-sport athletes and, you know, provide a, a community of multi-sport athletes that are, that are, you know, basically supporting each other. And yeah, there's going to be, you know, some kids that have a, a favorite, a number one, number two, and number three sport. Um, but they, um, we'll find a way through it. No, I understand. We're not it's talking just... about, we're not talking about, Hey, every day, two and a half hours. No, no, no. It, this is, this is maybe once, uh, once a week, as you said. So once a week is, is really what we're probably looking at and probably going to have a little bit of a dead period just before this starts. So a parent, you know, so parents could schedule a vacation and go away and have some time. But then again, we always go back. It's optional. So if that kid misses, you know, a training period with the coach, and it's just not going to be punitive. It's it's fine, well, you know. But and again, I can see this happening as this transitions, and I assume this is going to pass in the state of Connecticut, just because the, the evidence is is clear that it's a national movement all over the country. But I can see where a kid says, "Well, coach, uh, I'm a, I'm actually playing on a travel team this summer, and I actually have a game." That night and the same day, you want to you know have a um, a practice, and again, that's the coaches. That's fine. It's an optional get together. Exactly, so, that happens every day now. Yes, I understand. You know, so, we, you know, we'll do seven v seven, and but we have kids that are going to a a showcase in baseball. Right. We let that kid go to a showcase in baseball. So and we have like you know, so it happens. What it does, though, in effect, is it extends the reach. Uh, the the connection between the high school coach uh, from the school year and again I go back to what I said at the opening these are these are trained and licensed educators who obviously take this uh, seriously as, as as something as as their life's calling to work with their youngsters in an off season in a more relaxed kind of environment uh, as opposed to kids saying or scrambling saying I got to get into a travel team I got to go back to mom and dad so this is going to cost 5000 or more dollars uh, for the summer mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So it's as I said this is going to eventually uh, at some point in the near future there's going to be a from my perspective a a some sort of uh, there's going to be a meeting of the minds between the travel club and showcase programs and the high school programs and Absolutely. And, the, and it's going to have to be worked out so that the kids benefit uh you know yep. as opposed to to just saying well there's a way we can make an extra buck uh, with a travel or a club team so all right let me let me and, let me just stop and, and i agree with that well Go i ahead, think i think that's what's going to happen i think that's exactly in the yeah. path we're going but to get there we have to make sure that the coaches uh, at the high school level are out there you're working with the kids in the off season let me let me take a time out here we're, we're talking about what's happening in connecticut trying to get a movement together from craig semple uh, the AD at uh, Daniel Hand High School to make sure that high school coaches can work with their kids in the offseason on an optional basis at a relatively small cost. Um, but again, this is this is what I think is happening in our country. We're seeing more and more of this eventual collision between travel club and, tur- and tournament teams, showcase teams, and the high school programs. All right, 1-877-337-6666 is our number. Stay with me. I'll be back with your calls after this break. And as always, I invite you to check out my website at AskCoachWolf.com and remind you, you can get a copy of my book, Secrets of Sports Psychology Revealed. You can buy it both in print form or get it as an audio book. The best place to get it is directly and quickly is go to Amazon.com. Uh, very quickly, I had a I had a chuckle a bit about LeBron James 
uh, becoming a typical sports parent and showing real emotion and excitement when watching his own kid play basketball. You know, all I can say is, LeBron, welcome to the unique and magical world of being a sports dad. You know, because it's it's one thing to be an athlete yourself and to go out and compete and play on the court, but it's something totally different uh, that all moms and dads uh, who are sports parents will attest to when it's your son or daughter out there playing on the field or on the court. And, uh, hey, Craig, uh, did you happen to see the video of LeBron uh, going yes. nuts at, watching his son play? And I, Go ahead. And all I can think of is that's why you – that's that's a perfect example of why we d- don't have sports parents coaching their own kids. <laughs> well, as I Even said – Even though he's the best basketball player in the world, he can't contain himself. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're talking with Craig Semple, the athletic director at uh, Daniel Hand High School in Madison, about his proposal to allow high school coaches to to work with their athletes and their players uh, during the summer hours. And we're taking calls. Let's go out to our friend Ed Ward over in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Ed, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning. Good morning, Rick. Actually, right now, I'm in the state of Connecticut. I'm on a bus with our hometown, Elizabeth, New Jersey, who won the state championship in Little League. And literally, so we're all heading up to Bristol for the ten o'clock game against Pennsylvania right now. Okay. Oh, so how I awesome just want to let everyone add. So yeah. we're, we're, you know, <laughs> we're looking forward to the bus ride. Yeah. Uh, this, this this is a great topic to talk about. The question I want to ask Craig is this: because I'm a former college baseball coach, now I coach travel baseball. What happens if you get a situation where a kid comes up to a coach and says, "Coach, I got to miss the game." My uh, whatever sport it is, has said to me, if I don't go to a practice or a seven-on-seven, whatever you call it, uh, it's going to affect my playing time in, the, uh, in, in my upcoming season. How, you, how do you as an athletic director handle that? That's a great question, and these, these are the exact questions I've had with my coaches. So in the summer, that kid's sport takes priority. These are optional workouts for our athletes, so if the kid's a football, baseball player, and we're having the workout, but if he's playing baseball and he's going to uh, in a very important event, that, uh, you know, for his baseball team, he's going to the baseball game. And, okay, uh, that's, what, he, that's what okay. happens when when you're when you have like like you're a perfect example. You're you're a high, you're a, you're an education based coach, but you're also a, a youth coach. Like you're the kind of guy that people want to have to coach their kids because you understand the whole the whole the whole kid. It's not just about your little program, and that's what I find. Like our coaches in the at the high school level, they understand the developmental, all the developmental aspects of the athlete, and they understand what their what their passions are, and they understand that this is going to happen. So, you know, it's pretty easy. Our coaches understand that this is that's going to take priority. That you know his baseball opportunity in the summer. Well, this has been a big thing because, again, like I said, you know, my background with college, but I've co- I'm coaching travel now. Players have come up to me, and I'll be honest, I've let them go to their high school thing, but it, it just seems weird with, with high school coaches becoming selfish about their own sport instead of the, the, the total background of, of a player. Just to give you an example, there's a high school in Union County where the, college, where the coaches meet in the summer day, and like you said, divide the schedule and all that stuff. The athletic has put an ultimatum. If I get any complaints, whether it's emails or coaches being selfish and all that stuff, all summer programs stop for all those schools, which I think is a great idea because now it stops everyone being selfish 
and thinking about the, the total development of the student athlete. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. You know, and, and you know, again, mm-hmm. and Ed, uh, congrats on the trip up to Connecticut with the youth team, Ed. Go Elizabeth, New Jersey. Hey, I just had to put a little plug in for Madison because we're in it too. <laughs> okay, well, well, maybe I'll see you at a game. How's that sound? I'm going up there to check them out. They play at 7 o'clock tonight. Oh, well, we'll be we'll be heading back. Uh, unfortunately, I'd love to meet you, Craig, okay? Thanks, Cole, yeah. Ed. Talk to you soon. Good luck, Have a great coach. day. Good luck. Bye bye. Thank you. Good luck. And and, and and Craig, yeah, I mean, this is all. But at points too, these are the kind of issues that have to be sort of worked mm-hmm. out, and it's a you know work in progress. But to get to these problems, first you have to have the law in place that are you know approved that coaches can work with exactly. their kids. You know, I mean, that's just that's, like anything else. You you know, we have we need the opportunity to do it, and then we got to go and work out the details. There's yeah. going to be some. There's going to be, and like anything, there's going to be some some pitfalls. You're going to have to work through them. But we're we're look, we're adults working in the best interest of kids, and you know, sometimes you know, I I, I feel like I will I will definitely be involved in the process as the devil's advocate. I work with, um, I have an administrative team that I work with, and you know, if I can't get through it, I I work with them, and and they're a great source of. Uh, information and they're very supportive of this idea too so you just got to work through it and um it's a doable thing you know you know i and when i wrote the proposal i i went for the last day of spring all the way up until the first day of practice will that happen probably not but i figured i'm gonna throw the whole enchilada at it and see what happens and you know i'm hopeful that something's going to happen so I will tell you what our governing body organization is going to do. They're going to look at the existing language. They're going to give us back pros and cons to the league. So I submitted this from our league. But to me, that's a little bit of a that's – not, that's not a fast track. That's just, okay, you've already had 60 years to do what, what, what you're currently doing, and it's not working. It's optional. Let us do what we're doing, and then we can go back and say, "Let's look at the cons, and then put everything in place so that we're all operating in a, from a universal system." But my my question is, and I gather, you know, the the the, uh, the governing body for sports at the high school level in Connecticut, the uh, Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic uh, Commission, the, the, yep. your proposal, you went through all the states, and most of the states do allow this, do allow high school yeah. coaches, so. They have to look at this and say, well, the, the preponderance of the evidence is that this is already happening in New Jersey, in Pennsylvania, in New yeah, York State. Even our over. surrounding New England New England and tri-state area, it's, yeah. it's definitely happening. So they have to look about that and say, hmm, maybe the time has come for us to sort of join the rest of the of the nation and, and, and move forward with this. It seems like Connecticut is, as you said, they've had 60 years with this, and it's just not really working Particularly with the evolution of, of uh, and the influence of travel and club teams over the last fifteen twenty years, you know. And Rick, I will tell you this: Connecticut high school coaches, because I'm also on Connecticut high school coaches executive board, they're yep. frustrated, and they want this. Um, I'm sure that there's some principals and some superintendents that are very cautious about it, but like I said, it can be worked through. You don't even have to do it on your campus. You know, you don't. It could be done anywhere. Like, for example, I worked at a school that was way, way, it was an urban district, but it was, but the campus was really far away from where the kids lived. I wouldn't probably run the program at that high school. I would run it in a more centralized location. 
So it yeah, can all for, be done. You just yeah, but for most high schools, I mean, the idea is that the high schools are basically just uh, sitting there all summer doing nothing, particularly athletic right. fields. Why wouldn't you want to have the kids? you know, come to yeah. the school and have the, the locker room. Well, ideally, that's what you would want to do, but sometimes it's not. You know, I, I think that's going to be a comeback on a con where, you know, oh, we got to pay custodial overtime. we got to open up the building. This is the time of the year that oh, we're cleaning yeah, the yeah. buildings. Right, I right. can anticipate what's going to come back. But there's ways to work around all that. I agree. At the end of the day, these are our kids. We want to see them healthy. We want to see them working with their coaches. So, like, we can always work around all those little things. And as I said before, um, we I, want our kids. I, I, I hear you a lot and clear on this, and I do think there's something to be said about the fact that uh, it's, since it's off season, you're allowing your, your, the youngsters to, to work with the coaches, and the coaches can see the kids in a different light. Look, we all know that there's a certain handful of parents uh, that no matter how much we try to educate them and to get them to control their emotions, there's always just going to be a small fraction of parents who just aren't going to get it. There's still going to be a pain in the neck to high school coaches, mm-hmm. whether it's in season or during the summertime. But for the kids, uh, and that's what it's all about here, the kids are going to be able to see or uh, have the coaches see them in a different kind of way. And hopefully that's going to build better chemistry, better relationships between the coaches and, and their players. I agree. And at the end of the day, it's all about building, building relationships and trust with your coach. And if you have that, then you can build the skill set and you can get those kids to do things that they didn't think they were capable of doing. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the ultimate goal when it comes to coaching kids. Let's take one more quick call here. Let's go down to Tampa, Florida. Jack is standing by Jack. Good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning. So I want to just say out of the gate, I'm not necessarily against it. Um, but I, but I do want to, you know, point out a couple things that are concerns for, for me. And I've seen it in the state of New Jersey. Now I live in Florida. I've seen it in the state of Florida. You, you guys just said a couple of things. Developing relationships, right? You talk about adults uh, doing what's in the best interest of kids. Well, you know, I think I always feel like these voluntary, quote, unquote, voluntary things, you know, have some hidden issues with them, right? Because it's just like we see with the NFL nowadays, like these voluntary camps, and then people don't show up and it's a problem, right? And And kids feel like they're missing out on things. Uh, I think parents who are, you know, parents who are, we talk about, look, and sometimes parents, you know, there are underlying uh, selfish and ego issues, right? And if they want their child to be best at one sport, they want them focused on that. And they're going to, they're going to encourage them, you know, to go to these voluntary, you know, scenarios. And there are influences there that maybe aren't in the best interest of some kids. Maybe, being more well-rounded, having other hobbies outside of sports, those types of things. And so I think there are influences that are created that sometimes get out of the kids' hands. Kids generally want to please their parents, please their coach. Right. And I think to your point about developing relationships, if you don't go to those voluntary things, well, you're sort of not now involved well, in developing those relationships. And I, by the way, one other, one other thought, I've also seen coaches many, many times, you know, listen, you can justify as a coach someone that doesn't come Hey, you're not being punished because you didn't come, but you're you're not playing now because this other kid came and he was developing, and we've developed a better relationship, and I've been able to see them and him or her Jack, in action. Let me stop you there because yeah. I'm up against the clock, but that is a good question. And and Craig, uh, before I let you let you go, what about that? I mean, you have to obviously educate the coaches that they can't say stuff like that to the to to the youngsters. He he makes a great point um, that yeah, that is going to occur. 
in certain programs, but I think it's incumbent upon the leader of the program, being the athletic director or your principal, whoever is in charge. You know, you got to set the stage. Like this is what this is what this program is about. This is what the the goals of this program are about. Um, you're not going to please everybody, but I certainly don't want to just give up all um, face time with our kids in the summer. There's a way to do it, and you do, there's going to be some compromises on both sides, and there's going to be compromises from the parents. And um, as the you know, when you're when you're trying to hire the best people, you got to understand something like this, this. These are the people we're hiring: people that understand the compromise, people that understand that I'm working holistic holistically with the kid. Greg, let me, I'm let me, hiring a person. Let me stop you there because I'm up. Be, out, I'm out of time here, but uh, again, I yeah. think this is all uh, really a worthwhile uh, you know, process. I'm really uh, grateful that you're taking a step forward with the state of Connecticut. Craig Semple, uh, my thanks again, and uh, let's see what happens in the fall when this comes up for a vote. Thanks, Coach Wolf. Thanks. Appreciate it. You bet. Take care. That is, again, Craig Semple uh, from uh, Daniel Hand High School in the state of Connecticut, Madison. Let me take a time out. I'll be back with more. Stay with me. Well, my thanks this morning to Craig Semple. Obviously, uh, he's at the forefront uh, trying to get this legislation passed through in the state of Connecticut. And quite frankly, I think the time has come for Connecticut to join all the rest of the, the states in the country, allowing high school coaches to work with their athletes in the summertime. I think it makes a lot of sense for a lot of good reasons. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Connor Green. Stick around for Ed Randall. He's up next. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.